Good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever you are, whatever time it is, welcome to Teacher Tired. I cannot believe that January is almost over. (laughs) I am literally recording this on the last day of January, so when it comes out, it'll be February, and I feel as though it flew by. Like, now I'm looking towards spring break versus looking back at winter break. It's crazy. I can't believe it. I feel like my kids are going really fast. They're learning a lot. They're growing a lot at this time period, but they're also going a little bit crazy because we just had winter break and they're trying to get back in the swing of things. So it's been a madness. Um, Also, I took a personal day this week just to, just because, like, I just wanted to do nothing and kind of just rest, not do any chores around the house, do things like go to Chick-fil-A or (laughs) go grocery shopping. And it was like the best decision I could have made. If you are feeling super overwhelmed or tired or exhausted, make the sub plans, take a personal day. I don't have kids at home, so it was really nice just to kind of do whatever I wanted to do. Um, I would highly recommend it. It really set me back into a place of like, okay, I'm ready for work again, you know, instead of being so exhausted. But anyway, I apologize if I sound a little bit sick. I'm just getting over that gunk that's been going around all winter. Um, And I definitely got it. So (laughs) if I sound a little off, um, that would be why. But a lot of people have been coming up to me asking me, um, I would say the number one question I get is classroom management. How do you do classroom management? What do you do for it? What are your tricks? What are your tips? Now, I want to preface with, and I say this in a lot of my podcasts, but I genuinely mean it. Everything that I say may not work for someone else. What I do in my classroom may not work in your classroom or, you know, with your students or in your grade level, and I completely understand that. So take it with a grain of salt. Maybe you can use some of these things. Maybe you can't. Um, I completely understand. We also have different rules within our schools, right? Like my school does not allow us to use Classroom Dojo. Now that stinks. I love Classroom Dojo from a communication perspective, communicating with parents. I love it from a point perspective with the students. Um, All around, it's really hard not to have it. But at the same time, since I can't have it, I had to be really creative this year on some of the classroom management tools that I use. Now, Some of the tools that I use, I probably won't continue to use in the future because there's some that I like and some that I don't like. So this will be really interesting to talk about this again, maybe next year. Um, But for now, I'm just going to tell you what I do this year and what I do and what I don't like about it um, and stuff like that. So the first thing I want to tell you is that I take my classroom management and I split it into three parts. The first part is the whole group part. How do I manage the whole group? Then the next part is table or small group? How do I manage that table points or um, small group instruction for kindergarten that's basically just, you know, them sitting at their tables? Um, And then the third part to that is an individual tactic, right? Like an individual management. So I'm going to start with the whole group. This part is tricky. This is probably where you have to decide what works best for your kids, what works best for your environment. Um, For me, I really like positive reinforcement. So my whole premise behind my whole class, or I'm sorry, my whole group classroom management is all based on positive reinforcement. I think that five and six-year-olds 
because again, I teach kindergarten, that is what they need, that is what they thrive off of, and that is what works. Um, I've never seen it not work unless it was like a behavior situation where I have a behavior and they just don't seem to care. Um, but for the majority of the kids, they tend to really care about positive reinforcement. So something that I do is I have a large jar. It is larger than a peanut butter jar, larger than, I'm trying to think. I don't know if any of you drink out of like hydro flasks, but it's basically the size of a 40 ounce water bottle or a 40 ounce hydro flask. It's huge. It's the biggest jar I've ever seen. <laughs> and what I do is I add pom-poms to it. So the reason I don't do marbles is because it's loud and I don't like noise. <laughs> um, I use pom-poms and they're also like a fun visual for the kids. So it's a clear jar and every time they do something whole group, instructionally, I add to the jar. Now, what that means is I have a specific thing or a specific behavior that I'm looking for when I'm adding to this jar. So each month before the month begins, my kids and I, in calendar time, we sit down on the carpet and we talk about some things that we'd really like to work on. Now, I'm obviously guiding the conversation and trying to give them some ideas and putting them in the right direction, but my students are really coming up with a goal for the month. They're talking about the things that they feel like they need to work on, and I word it almost as, what's something we need to work on to get more pom-poms in our jar? And some, for example, this month they came up with they would like to work on staying quiet during quiet work time. Now in my room, quiet work time is when we're doing a worksheet, um, reading books, or in small group stations. They know that those three time periods in the day are quiet work times. You know, their head is in their paper and they're working really hard. And if they need help, they're more than welcome to talk to their friends, but it's still a quiet noise level. And my room gets pretty loud. Um, I had a transition happen in November with a new student coming in and it made my classroom really loud and I think that the students started to notice the transition in that. So they realized that they were being a little bit louder, they were kind of getting a little bit out of control um, and I loved that because I can notice that, right? That's our profession, that's what we do best. But to hear my students talk about fixing something or setting a goal for themselves is really powerful because it comes from them. It comes from what they want to work on. So this month, our goal was to stay at the appropriate noise level. Now, that works really well when they say it the first time, right? But you have to constantly remind them of this goal. So I kind of use this pom-pom jar as a reminder. So what happens is if they're in quiet work time and they're super quiet, I will like totally stop what they're doing, announce how quiet they're doing, um, remind them that, you know, I say something like, I love how quiet it is right now. This shows me that your brains are fully on, you're fully engaged, you're doing a really good job and you're learning. And that's why we're at school. You know, I'm giving them that recognition of like, hey, remember we're at school <laughs> and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and this is why. Because a lot of times kids don't even know why they should be quiet. They were just told to be quiet. So I'm constantly reminding them, you know, great job. I love how quiet you are. This tells me that your brain is on and you're ready to go. Um, and then I'll add a pom-pom to the jar. Now, as the jar increases and it reaches to the top, they get rewarded. I also let my students pick the reward. 
Reason being is because in the past, I've done something like this and we received like a pizza party or something at the end of filling up the jar. My kids don't even like pizza. So we would have the pizza party and they were like, eh, this is kind of cool, but whatever. So I really let my kids choose the reward. And of course, I'm guiding the conversation. It's nothing crazy, but I let them choose because they're more interested, right? Like I had one year where students really liked puzzles. So their reward was they had like an entire recess time or, you know, chunk of time where all they did was play puzzles. That was their reward, right? And then this year, my kids love cupcakes. I don't know why. It's just when when we have birthday parties, they are like ecstatic about these cupcakes. They talk about cupcakes all the time. They love the frosting decorations, so on and so forth. So this year, my reward system when they go all the way to the top of the jar is a cupcake party. <laughs> and I basically play music, we have a little dance party, and then we eat cupcakes. That's it, super simple. And I don't even really need to buy the cupcakes because I'll save them from past parties. <laughs> um, so that's really interesting, they love it. Now, some teachers do not remove pom-poms or they won't take any out or there's no negative consequence. I personally do. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if the students, for example, if their goal this month is to stay quiet during quiet work time and it's not quiet, I don't interrupt their learning. I just remind them this is a quiet work time and then like, you know, try to get quiet and stuff like that. And then when the activity's all said and done, we've transitioned to a next spot. Let's say they're at their tables working and we transition to the floor. I tell them that was an okay activity. We did pretty good, but I felt like our brain power was not fully on. Can someone raise your hand and tell me why you why I think that? And they usually say something like, it was too loud, we were horsing around, something like that. I say, yes, you're right. It was way too loud. I didn't feel like our brain was fully engaged. I think we can do better next time. So I'm going to take out two pom-poms. You know, if it's if it's minor, I'll say, I'm going to take out one pom-pom. And then I'll say something like, how do you think we can get that pom-pom back? And we go into conversation about how we can fix our actions. I am a huge believer in getting the students involved in fixing those actions. Because if I were just to say, it's too loud in here, and I take out a pom-pom, that may not do something for a lot of the kids. So I like to have a full conversation of why I'm taking the pom-pom out, how we can get it back in the jar, and how we can fix our actions. Because they're young. They don't know these things. They may get really upset if I pull a pom-pom out. They don't. They may not understand that they can fix it. So that's my whole group instru instruction or classroom management skills or whatever you want to call it. Um, I love the jar and I love the pom-poms. I love that it's a visual. I am constantly looking at it. I'm constantly holding it up, reminding them what we should be doing. It's a really, really good reward system. Um, and if you feel like your students aren't getting it fast enough and you're kind of losing their engagement with it, I would add another goal. Add another goal of, you know, I'm going to add a pom-pom every time they walk quietly in the hall and when they're quiet during quiet work time. So you have two goals to add to. My students do really well outside of that. So we only have one goal to add to and they're getting the cupcake party faster than I thought. Um, so it just kind of depends. You have to gauge it, but don't 
use a large jar and then have them take months and months and months to get the reward because they're going to lose interest. And then your classroom management tool is totally butchered. (laughs) I've been there. It's not pretty. And then you have to come up with something completely different. So when it comes to small group, small group, I'm not talking about like small group stations, but small group reward systems. So my classroom is set up into four different tables, table one, two, three, and four. And on the board, I have table one, two, three, and four labeled, and I give them tally marks every time they do something specific. Now, in my classroom, I notice that there's two things that that my kids personally struggle with. One is attention getters. Two is cleanliness or organization of their stuff of their um, items. So this was something that I was like, oh my gosh, they cannot go to first grade and not be able to (laughs) pay attention to an attention getter, right? Like they're going to use that for the rest of their school career. And then the second thing being like, oh my gosh, if they don't know how to organize their items and they take responsibility for their things, we're going to struggle this year. <laughs> so there's two things I focus on when it comes to table points. If I ring the doorbell to get their attention because I have a little doorbell on my phone um, and I just kind of ring it. It's a free doorbell app. I highly suggest it if you don't want to go buy one of those doorbells. Um, that they have on Amazon or whatever. I just put it on my phone and I ring it. I have a little speaker in my room that it connects to. It works wonders. So when I ring the doorbell, they're instructed to stop what they're doing, put a bubble in their mouth, and look at me. This took months of practice. I'm not saying it came easily, but after they got it, what I started to do was give table points to the table that stops what they're doing, puts a bubble in their mouth, and looks at me the fastest. Because a lot of times they'll do it over a long period of time. And that's not the point of an attention getter. So when I ring the doorbell, I kind of scan the room and I'm like, oh, table one and four, you guys looked at me really fast. You all have bubbles and you're sitting in power position, right? Like their hands are together and they're looking at me. So I'll give them a point. And the other thing is if they get a point and they freak out, I take it away because I don't want them to scream after getting a point because that defeats the whole purpose. (laughs) Um, So that's one way I do it. Another way is when we transition, let's say we're at the tables and we transition to the floor for a next activity, I kind of take a look back and I'm like, wow, table one pushed in their chairs, all of their crayons and pencils are put away, their tables are clean, there's no trash on the floor, I'm going to give them a point. So I'm also giving table points for cleanliness and organization to keep them reminded of that. This is probably the best tool that I've used when it comes to that because what used to happen is they would come to the floor and I would go table one, go back to your seats, push in your chairs, pick up your trash. It looks a mess. And it would be this like five minute thing where I'd constantly have to send people back to their seat to clean up their mess. And it was exhausting. (laughs) So I use the table points to kind of push for that um, and reward them for staying really clean. It works wonders so long as you're consistent. And honestly, that goes for everything when it comes to classroom management. But I am consistently giving table points all day. And it can be exhausting. But to be honest, it's an extra minute or two of me getting up, giving them a point, and it works wonders. So it is absolutely worth that extra time. Um, I would recommend 
picking one or two things like I do and sticking to it. Like if you start rewarding them for all these different things, you're going to get confused. You're going to get lost. You're not sure what you're rewarding them for. You don't even know who's winning the points and it can get kind of confusing. So try, try to stick to one or two things that you're rewarding them for. So let's go on to individual. So I have something that I use for individual classroom management. And it's very, very, very simple. Very simple. I have a calendar in every one of my students' folders. And at the end of the day, if they had a great day, they get a stamp. Now, at the end of the month, if they fill their entire stamp chart, they get to pick out of the treasure box. So they have an entire month of positive behavior they get to pick out of the treasure box. They are constantly looking at their stamp chart. That's the key. I put it in the middle of their folder in a clear paper, or I'm sorry, in a clear paper protector so that they see it every single day. When they're putting their stuff inside their folders at the end of the day, they get to see if they got a stamp or not. Now, the students that don't get a stamp usually know why because we've already had that conversation, right? Let's say, Bob, <laughs> making that up, but let's say Bob hit someone on the playground and they got reprimanded for it. I have a conversation with them about, this is not something you usually do. I would like you to apologize and today you're not getting a stamp. That's it. That's, that's Honestly, that's it. They don't get a stamp the days that they do something bad in regards to hitting or something that they absolutely know they should not be doing. <clears throat> The other thing I don't give a stamp for is if they're not doing their work. If I have a couple of students that absolutely refuse to do their work, I'm not giving a stamp. That is something that they need to learn very quickly before going on to first grade because work is the most important part. So I won't give you a stamp if you're not doing your work. And I will tell them too. I'm, I They know if they don't finish their work or I don't see that they're working hard on it or attempting, you know, like coming from a place of refusal, then they don't get a stamp. Now, this doesn't tend to affect them a whole lot at first, but when the end of the month rolls around and everyone else in the room is getting out of the treasure box and they're not, they get really, really upset. So at the end of the month, every time we have this conversation of, should we throw a fit if we didn't get the treasure box? And they respond, no. And then I ask the question of why? And we have a full conversation about how we have next month to fix our actions what we can do better, how we can stop ourselves from misbehaving, stuff like that. So it's always important to have those conversations of there's no reason to throw a fit. Let's just fix our actions. And I am a firm believer in that with all classroom management. <laughs> have the students be part of the conversation. Let them come up with the reward. Let them come up with the rules. Let them come up with what they need to work on. Of course, you're going to guide the conversation. I work with five and six-year-olds. They're not going to know off the top of their head, but it really, really does make a difference when it comes to rewarding them. It means so much more to them, and it makes it work that much better. <coughs> Excuse me. Like I said, I'm just getting over a cold, so I'm a little run down, but... So all in all, that is my classroom management so far. I definitely think that Next year, I'll probably have more students. I'll probably have to add a few things. Something that I've used in the past 
for individual classroom management was Classroom Dojo points. And then we had a little Classroom Dojo store where at the, on Fridays they could go shopping. I loved it, um, but unfortunately my school doesn't allow us to use Dojo just for um, just for other reasons. And I completely understand their reasons. So I had to kind of manipulate that and I went to the stamps. Um, I really like the stamps. I think it works really well and it's very clear to them. They're young and they need some kind of clear expectation to follow. And it's the clearest classroom management tool that I use and that they can fully understand. So I don't know. I hope that you can get something out of this, whether it's trying something new or maybe boosting or bettering something that you're already doing. But these are the three sections and the three things that I focus on in my classroom every single day. The key is consistency. That is the key. If you have an amazing classroom management plan and you're not consistent with it, it is going to tank. It is going to fail and it's going to fall on your face very quickly. So I would recommend sticking to one or two rules within your management tools and being consistent. Focus on those things and everything else kind of falls into place. It's really beneficial to stay consistent for the kids and for you because it can get confusing. You can get lost and the students get lost too. They need consistent rules and consistent things to follow every day. So if you feel like your classroom management is failing and you know that you have a solid group of kids and you're like, what is going on? I know these kids can follow this. They seem like really good kids this year. I don't know why it's failing. Try consistency. Try staying consistent every single day, every period of the day. You should be consistent with those rules. So I hope you enjoyed. I hope you got a little bit of a tidbit from that. Go ahead and give me a review on podcast or Spotify, whatever you're listening on, that is how we spread the word. Podcast is not like other social media platforms where it just pops up in people's laps because you like it too and you're a friend of theirs. We do have to review it and talk about it every episode. Um, So if you liked this episode, go ahead and give it a review. Let me know what you thought and I can take that into bettering the next episodes. All right. Have a great February. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe it's already here. Thank you.